0: The lowliest of the beings living in flatland are the straight lines, whose sharp, piercing tips have to be avoided at all costs. One social level above them are the workers, long, narrow triangles, eleven inches on their main sides, beings of little education and dangerous if provoked, but usually docile enough to do what their betters tell them to. One level above them are the middle-class professionals, Doctors, teachers, and other respectable fellows. They have the shape of squares, and the book's humble narrator is one of them. Another level up are the elite, who have yet more sides, pentagons, hexagons, and the like. At the very peak of society are the priestly circles, who glide wherever they wish along the surface, with lowly lines and pointy triangles, taught to steer clear of them when the story begins mr a square is fairly content with this flat world though he is troubled by a dream he once had of some strange other world where all creatures lived on a single one-dimensional line existing like tiny trains restricted forever to a single track those poor beings could understand the idea of moving forward and back But unlike Mr A Square, they could not conceive of there being an additional second dimension that allowed movement from left to right. When Mr A Square crossed into their line, they could see just fragments of him, as different points along his two-dimensional body entered and then departed their one-dimensional world. A Square's dream made it clear to him that visitors from higher dimensions possess a greater power than those in lower dimensions. If a being such as A Square reached into the line he visited, and plucked one of the creatures from its position, the locals left behind in Lineland would have no idea where their fellow had disappeared to. Then, if A Square put the Lineland creature back but in a different position, they would be mystified as to how he could appear in a new location without having travelled through the intervening space in any way they could tell. When A Square woke up from his dream, and saw he was back in proper Flatland, he was content, for a time. He was a prosperous enough man, with his own impressively two-dimensional home, one with an opening for himself and his sons, as well as—for Flatland was a sexist society, and women were considered inferior— "'an extra, much smaller door that his wife and any other women were to glide in through. "'All would have remained fine, but then, as Mr. A. Square remembered from prison later, "'it was the last day of our one thousand nine hundred and ninety-ninth year of our era. "'The pattering of the rain, which strikes only at the wall of their houses, "'for there's no concept of such a thing as a roof, had long ago announced nightfall.' and I was sitting in the company of my wife, musing on the events of the past and the prospects of the coming century. There was a strange sound in their house, and then suddenly, to our horror, we saw before us a figure. It hadn't glided in through one of the two doors that led into the house, rather, in some way that neither A Square nor his wife could fathom, it had just suddenly appeared in their room— The strange visitor quickly began to transform from being a very small circle to a larger one. A Square's wife was terrified, declared she had to go to bed, and glided as quickly as she could out of the room. Mr Square was left alone with the stranger. With suitable politeness, he asked where his esteemed visitor had come from. The stranger said, "'I came from the third dimension. It is up above and down below.' A Square was confused. Surely, he told the visitor, he must mean that he came from north or south, or possibly from left or right. But the visitor was insistent. I mean nothing of the kind. I mean a direction in which you cannot look. A Square thought this must be an attempt at a joke. But the visitor again was adamant. Sir, listen to me. You are living on a